Welcome to City Watch, a watchdog program for social, economic, political, and cultural issues here in New York City. We thank you for tuning in again today for City Watch. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. I'm joined in studio by my wonderful co-host, David Brand. Hi, Jeff. Glad to be back. And we're glad to be here on what is known as International Women's Day weekend. This is an annual occasion that highlights the global cause for gender equity, celebrates women's achievements, and raises awareness against bias. Uh, the UN, by the way, first began celebrating this day, International Women's Day, in 1977 on the 8th of every March. And the theme this year, if you have not heard throughout the day uh, or this weekend on WBAI, was I am Generation Equality, Realizing Women's Rights. So, yes, while David and I are your male co-hosts, we do acknowledge uh, and respect the women who throughout our lives have made a significant difference, not you know, not just to us, but to our society and the world in, in which we live. Any any little insights you want to provide? Uh, yeah, I want to I recognize two women who've had a profound impact on me. The first is my wife, Katie, who has so much empathy. She's an extremely hard worker. Uh, she's also a talented singer and dancer. In addition to an amazing worker, amazing wife, she's an amazing mother to our new son. I uh, also want to recognize my mom, who's listening. This shows the reach of WBAI, reach it, listening in Hackettstown, New Jersey, uh, out in northwest New Jersey near the Delaware Water Gap. My mom, Joan, who taught me kindness and empathy, taught me how to tackle a job until it's complete. And you talk about the reach, by the way. I should let folks know we also stream live at WBAI.org. So if you're not getting the mm. signal, hopefully you're listening to us uh, uh, through our streaming abilities. Uh, so this year, by the way, as we celebrate International Women's Day, we're going to bring you, during the show, three distinct voices. A New York City Council member, Carlina Rivera, who until, re until recently co-chaired the City Council's Women's Caucus, a founder and leader of the New York City based organization that empowers and supports women running for office, Amplify Her, and also a future leader, a New York City-based Girl Scout who's been making a difference in her community. So uh, we're very excited to be able to have uh, these three lovely women on today. And before we get to that, though, I think we should go to the news because uh, Celeste Katz-Marston uh, today has prepared us uh, and let us know. That's why we're not stepping on what she's going to tell you about the news of the day. Let's go to that segment. Listening to WBAI New York, I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. The number of coronavirus cases worldwide has now surpassed 100,000, health authorities report. More than 16 million people are now under emergency quarantine in Italy, and at least 10 people have died after a hotel used to quarantine people in China collapsed. Additionally, Saudi Arabia announced that starting Monday, all schools and universities would be closed to control the spread of the illness. In New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo said in an interview with Fox News' Maria Bartiromo that there are no current plans to curtail mass transit to control the spread of COVID-19, saying most of the reported infections are currently clustered in Westchester County, north of the city. What we do here is we calibrate to the facts as we know them at the time. So as the facts change, you change your strategy. But at this time, there's no reason to uh, close down mass transit. Maria, we haven't had, uh, to the extent we have big numbers in New York, it's actually in Westchester, which is a suburban community, as you know, where you have a cluster of cases. And once you get that cluster, they tend to exponentially increase. And that's what we're dealing with in, in Westchester. But in New York City, we have a, uh, a, a relatively uh, minor number so far. 
As of Sunday, Cuomo said New York State had 105 confirmed cases of coronavirus. In national news, presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders scored the endorsement of Reverend Jesse Jackson as the Democratic primary field continued to narrow and the remaining contenders sought to shore up their support among voters of color. Jackson took the stage for Sanders on Sunday before an enthusiastic crowd in Grand Rapids, Michigan, lending his credentials as a longtime civil rights leader to the Vermont senator's bid for the White House. I stand with Bernie Sanders today because he stood with me. I stand with him because he never lost his taste for justice for the people. I stand with him because he stands with you. Thank you, Jesse! Meanwhile, former Vice President Joe Biden claimed the endorsement of California Senator Kamala Harris, who pulled out of the primary contest in early December. Harris shared her endorsement in a video posted to Twitter on Sunday. I believe in Joe. I really believe in him, and I have known him for a long time. One of the things that we need right now is we need a leader who really does care about the people and who can therefore unify the people. And I believe Joe can do that. Um, I am supporting Joe because I believe that he is a man who has lived his life with great dignity. Um, He is a, a, a public servant who has always worked for the best of who we are as a nation. And we need that right now. There is so much at stake in this election, guys. Harris is scheduled to campaign for Biden in Detroit on Monday. Both Sanders and Biden are focusing their energies on the state ahead of its Tuesday primary. Other states voting on Tuesday include Washington, Missouri, and Mississippi. And in local news, after ending her Democratic primary campaign for president, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren poked some fun at herself and the rest of the field in a guest appearance on Saturday Night Live. In a skit spoofing an interview with Fox News host Laura Ingram, Warren took a crack at wealthy former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg. Well, now that you're done campaigning, do you have any regrets? You know, not at all. I am so proud of our campaign. We built a wide coalition of teachers, preschool teachers, middle school teachers, and teachers' pets. And not only did I not accept money from billionaires, I got to give one a swirly on live TV. For WBAI New York, I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. Now, back to City Watch with your hosts, Jeff Simmons and David Brand. Thanks, Celeste. Celeste talked about the presidential primary and uh, two recent endorsements, Kamala Harris uh, endorsing Biden, uh, Jesse Jackson endorsing Bernie Sanders. Um, but there's a, you know, we're today's International Women's Day, and there's a huge issue, and that's there's no woman candidate left who has much of a chance. Tulsi Gabbard is sticking around, but it's Biden and Bernie right now. And uh, it, it it looks clear like the the next vice presidential candidate or the next uh, the, the Run, running mate running for mate. the two candidates uh, would be a woman. And we read an insightful piece by Caitlin Moscatello in uh, New York Magazine's The Cut titled Brace Yourself for Second Place. Uh, and she talks about on the heels of Elizabeth Warren dropping out, how the top two candidates uh, are most likely going to pick a woman. Uh, speculation about who that woman is going to who that woman is going to be, who those women are going to be. And th- even though that women have are not in the in the running anymore, they've never had more political capital than they do right now. So encourage you to check that out. But I think, do we have a, a guest on the line yes, right now? Yes, we do. Great. Uh, so calling in on the phone right now, we have Council Member Carlina Rivera. Uh, 
She represents the second council district, which covers East Village, Flatiron, Gramercy Park, Murray Hill, Lower East Side, and a few other neighborhoods. Since she took office in 2017, uh, Councilmember Rivera has been focused on issues of affordability, small business survival, equitable health care, transportation, and quality of life issues. She has also taken a stand for gender equity as co-chair of the council's Women's Caucus. Uh, her term recently ended as co-chair of the Women's Caucus, but during her time, she sponsored legislation on sexual harassment and the gender wage gap. Uh, Councilmember, welcome to City Watch. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And David, I love the T-shirt of the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. Oh, thank you. I just tweeted for uh, <laughs> for everyone following me on Twitter. I'm wearing my 2015 U.S. Women's National Team World Cup champion shirt, and that was uh, uh, a, a special tournament for me. And also, the shirt was a gift for my mom. So. Thank you for noticing that, Councilmember. Um, awesome. I, I'm a big I'm a big sports fan, and um, I think my mom is my biggest fan too. So we have that in common. Great. So, what does International Women's Day mean to you? So today is a really special day. I think it's it's a celebration of all of the women who have come before us, and and those who will come after when we're long gone. And the the UN really designated the theme of International Women's Day as each for equal, celebrating this belief that an equal world is an enabled world. And for me, I'm always looking to my local sheroes, people who have done some incredible work in the fight for gender equity and making sure that we're standing up to biases and expanding perceptions of what it means to be a woman. And I think it, it commemorates how far we've come, but also how much work we have to do. We were just talking about uh, the presidential primary and how there are no top contender, no no women left among the top contenders for the Democratic uh, nomination. I was wondering what goes through your mind uh, when you see that. Well, the first thing I think of is how we started the 2020 primary season with probably the most diverse slate of candidates in history. And now we've narrowed it down to two white men in their 70s. So as a woman elected, of course, I'm disappointed, but I think this says more about our country than it does about our candidates. And a year ago, I think it was tomorrow, I met with Senator Elizabeth Warren hmm. to discuss her campaign. We talked about big tech and housing, jobs, corruption, all the issues that we face together as a nation and the structural change that we both think that we need across the country. And I'm inspired by her work. I think that uh, her preparedness, her hunger... The fight against corruption was very, very evident. It was very present on stage. And I think that's the stark contrast to the current administration that we need. And that women in our society were always, were advised to sell ourselves short, and she didn't do that. And so we, we have to work harder, and we have to uh, be faster to get half as far as men. And so now that there aren't any women and kind of as considered as top candidates i think we're all kind of doing a bit of reflecting and and healing but if anything i know we'll see a president a woman president in my lifetime and i can't wait is there a particular woman uh that or particular politician that you would like to see selected as uh the, the the running mate for the democratic nominee oh that's a great question i would love for her to be considered i mean uh, i think War- that all Warren? the women yeah, I think Senator Warren is, is fantastic. I thought all the women were, you know, were, were very, I thought they were great candidates, um, some more than others. Clearly, I have 
I thought that Senator Warren's ideas uh, were very thoughtful, and, and the way she talked about women of color, black and brown women, and their challenges, I thought was very special. So I have my eyes on a, on a couple of candidates. Hmm. Um, I'm just looking forward to winning this election and, and moving on to just getting more women in leadership positions, and that's, and that's locally on the ground here, too, in hmm. New York City. So... A few, this is Jeff. A few weeks ago, I did have the author of the piece that David had mentioned, Caitlin Moscatello, here in the studio talking about her book, uh, See Jane Wynn. And we talked at length about the challenges that many women uh, face uh, when running for office. Can you talk about the challenges as a woman who pursued office uh, within the last few years that you faced and that you see that women still seem to face, you know, that men do not Thank you for that question, because I, I am familiar with the book and the stories that were captured in there of women who were running and trying to, you know, break ceilings and, and overcome uh, tremendous. I think it's just this double standard. I think it's time we get comfortable speaking out, the, speaking about the rampant misogyny that plays our political system. It's women. It's it's transgender, non-binary candidates. We're held to, to lofty standards that just men have never had to encounter. Right, it's either we're too serious, we're not serious enough, we're too smart, we're not smart enough, we're told to smile, right, but not too much because we don't want to seem fake. And so I think we need to talk about women's issues, but but do it in a way that um, is really just intersectional. And we're asked all the time, you know, why we're wearing what we're wearing or we're judged on that. And I'm, I think that for us now and when we're reading some of these, these articles and these books that are really talking about what it is like for a woman, an immigrant, a transgender woman, someone who is poor, someone who is black and brown, run for office. Those challenges are real. I'm, I'm just proud to be a Latina woman serving in elected office in the face of the odds that are really stacked against our favor. But I'm committed to, to just keeping, keeping up the fight for gender equity and certainly getting more women elected here in the city and on the state level and hopefully more women in Congress. And I think there are only 11 uh, women serving in the city council right now, or, or is it 12? Um, it's 12 now. And I guess there's an opportunity for 13th with, uh, I think, the 37th district seat opening. And the two top candidates are both women, Dharma Diaz and Sandy Nurse. But still, that's right now less than a quarter. Um, what role does the Women's Caucus have in, in shepherding the women who are in council and also encouraging uh, others to seek office? The Women's Caucus is working to do a couple of things, right? We want to improve the everyday lives of women and transgender and gender nonconforming people across the city. We have a, a framework. It's driven by intersectionality. We want to acknowledge the many identities and experience of those in the fight for gender equity with us, and then of course, elevating public policy through both progressive legislation and, the, and of course, advocating in the city budget because we have tremendous powers in the city budget to fund some great groups. And so, I was the co-chair of the Women's Caucus. We wanted to make sure we were pushing through some really uh, special, um, important, precedent-setting policies around birth justice and abortion mm. access and child services. And things that, that affect every New Yorker, but specifically affect women. And now I'm very confident, right, we'll get our 13th woman mm -hmm. to the caucus. 
But I'm also looking forward because this is, you know, compared to the previous two terms, we're actually seeing a decrease in the number of women in the council. Right. So it's it's, it's alarming. I want to make sure that we're also working with our LGBTQ um, allies and and making sure that we could just increase that number exponentially. I mean, we're 52 percent of the population and there is no parity in representation right now. So we'll also be working around that in a smart way and and making sure that we are supporting other women running. Right. I think I think two years ago uh, there was there were 19 women in the council, still not parity. Um, but now there are only those 12 and soon to be a 13th. And I, I want to plug uh, an upcoming show we have next month. We're going to be having Sandy Nurse and Dharma Diaz uh, on, on to talk about their candidacies uh, ahead of that election. And I think the 37th district in Brooklyn uh, is April 28th. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned issues that are uh, general issues, but also specific to women. And, and one thing that really sticks out to me is homelessness as a women's issue and homelessness as a family issue. 70 percent of the Department of Homeless Services shelter population are families, uh, and the vast majority of those families are headed by single mothers, mostly black and Latinx mothers. Uh, what are you pr- prioritizing in the budget? I guess, what is there something that you're advocating for? to help women who are experiencing homelessness and families who are experiencing homelessness or something that you think the city really needs to act on to ensure homeless New Yorkers, especially women and families, are getting housed? Absolutely. And and it's a very personal issue for me because I did grow up with a single mother who struggled very much, and we were lucky to live in subsidized housing. And I want to make sure that those programs uh, remain in place, that they're expanded I mean, I grew up also relying on things like WIC, which is a supplemental food program for women, infants, and children. And so these are programs that I continue to talk about as, as, as I go on my, my, this journey of, of letting people know they must complete the census. Hmm. And so as soon as March 12th, we'll start, be, we'll start getting those census forms in our mailboxes. And so when I talk about Medicaid and Section 8 and SNAP, which is commonly known as food stamps, Mm -hmm. I always mention the census and these billions of dollars that are on the line. When it comes to the, you know, the women in our communities who are facing homelessness or who are underhoused, I want to ensure that not only are we lobbying even our state electeds to make sure that we're expanding voucher programs. And there's Mm -hmm. some some great bills in Albany, like the Home Stability Support Program. Mm -hmm but also preserving what we have. Because when I'm working with my tenant association leaders and they're fighting bad landlords who are trying to displace them, you know, nine times out of ten, it's a woman leading her tenants association. Mm. And when you go to these workshops and you go to town halls, the majority of the individuals participating are women because we really want to change our communities and we do it from a very compassionate and courageous way. And so these are some of our local individuals that we have to support so we're looking in the budget at i know me i'm trying to uh in in my district that is i'm trying to actively add to the number of affordable and what by affordable i mean low income units uh units set aside for formerly homeless families Mm. and then also ensuring that we're funding things like uh stabilizing nyc which is a coalition of of housing organizers and tenant advocacy groups that are making sure that we're keeping people in their homes so, uh, council member, one of the questions I want to ask each one of our guests today is, uh, it's a fundamental question. Through your life, which women have been inspiring to you? Who has inspired you? 
I have um, a couple of people that I think about every time I'm, if I'm negotiating over, you know, a housing issue or making sure that we have arts and culture in our district. I have a couple of women that I think of that are no longer with me. Uh, Marie Christopher was a tenant advocate, an unwavering champion in the fight for affordable housing. She lived in my building where I grew up on Stanton Street. She brought me to my first community meeting. Um, I have this uh, lovely woman that's, that also passed named Beverly Barone that I always think of. And, of course, my mother and my grandmother who came to New York City from Puerto Rico not knowing any English but still managing to, to find their way and, and continue to support me in, in kind of this, this uh, political world. Speaking of this political world, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about your future plans. You are one of the few council members who are not term limited, and you're a front runner uh, to be the next speaker of the city council. Uh, tell us, tell us about that, and uh, how you are approaching this. Uh, I guess this normal as you as the front runner. Uh, well, you know, I am. Thank you for the question. That's very nice of you. Um, I'm, you know, unlike all of my colleagues. We're focused on our constituents. We're focused on addressing their concerns. And my team and I were working to share the stories of the people in our district, raise awareness about all of the issues facing New Yorkers. I'm the chair of the Committee on Hospitals, so we are really working with the mayor's office to monitor the city's preparedness and response for the outbreak of COVID-19. And I mentioned the census. So, you know, I have a lot of things on my plate, the fight for affordable housing, for tenant rights in my past, my present, as well as my future. That'll always be my focus. Um, as for who's going to lead the council, I would tell you that I certainly hope, I think it's very appropriate that we're having this discussion, mm-hmm. that it is a woman. Like I said, mm-hmm. there's so many women in our communities who are leading us hyper-locally, who are through their organizing, making change, and really changing the conversation nationally on climate change and transportation and disability rights. So I'm hoping that the next speaker is a woman and and specifically, I think, a woman of color. So I guess we'll have to check in in a few months to see if you are. I'm the editor of the Queen's Eagle. See if you're over in Queens (laughs) helping uh, other candidates campaign or helping fundraise. And then we can. Well, I uh, love Queens. I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I go to every borough. So maybe I'll see you there. And I certainly do read. um, I I definitely read your paper. And um, I'm I'm glad that you're covering really local issues. I mean, this is International uh, Women's Day, but we all know that a lot of our communities are going through the same thing globally. So I'm just glad that we could talk. And we thank you for coming on. Just how can people learn more about your work, follow you on Twitter, uh, visit your Facebook page? You could follow me on Twitter at Carlina Rivera and Instagram at Carlina L. Rivera. You could always go to my council website or stop by my office anytime. Always love to engage in in a chat with anyone who wants to come by. Well, thank you for coming on the show, council member. Thank you, council member. Thank you so much, guys. So I'm glad that we talked a bit about uh, Caitlin Moscatello because when, you know, and that the council member also had read her book mm. because it was chock full of statistics. And but was really good is there were a number of human stories in there, including I mean, my neighbor, Catalina Cruz. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had, you know, followed that intimately. I knew a lot of the players in those chapters. And, you know, from the piece that she just wrote in New York Magazine, I had pulled some portions that were just incredibly uh, relevant right now that she said that it w- it would be historic to have a female 
vice president because only two women have ever been a VP candidate on a major party ticket in this country, uh, Geraldine Ferraro mm-hmm. and uh, – uh, I know our listeners are going to love this one. Sarah Palin. I think, I think we remember her. <laughs> well, for our, from uh, from Queens, from, from yeah, our neck of yeah. the woods. So, and I had jotted down a few statistics. I'm just going to uh, also say them first, and then uh, we'll introduce our in-studio guest uh, who's here. But uh, uh, maybe about a year or so ago, uh, Celeste Katz and I on the other show, Driving Forces, that I'm on, I had on someone from the Center for American Women in Politics at Rutgers. And so I went back onto their site because there were a few important statistics when you talk about the political landscape and, uh, and about female representation uh, across our country. That in 2019, 126 women served in Congress. That was under 24% of the 535 seats Mm. uh, in in Congress. And uh, governorships, nine women uh, as governors, 15 as lieutenant governors, seven as attorneys general, according to the Center for American Women in Politics in 2019. Obviously, numbers could shift. We're a little early still in 2020. Uh, but uh, I, they also had a comparison going back to 1971 when they first started tracking this. And that's what's really important because then at least you're seeing some of the strides, even though many folks might say these strides are still not significant when you look at you're going back to 1971 uh, to the year uh, 2020. But uh, here, uh, when it comes to the percentage of women in elective office, going back to '71, they were at th- women were at three percent of all members of Congress, mm. uh, and that has steadily climbed to uh, uh, over uh, just under the 24 percent in 2019. And as far as statewide elective office in 1971, women represented seven percent of all those in office, and that was at its highest level in 2019 at uh, just under uh, 30%. So still, while there have been gains, we're not seeing 50%. We're getting nowhere near 50% in any of these. And I think our next guest is going to love to weigh in on this. Yeah, I think those pathetic statistics uh, are something that our next guest, who's sitting next to me in studio, Anika Michelle, uh, will have a lot to say. She's a founding member and the director of marketing for Amplify Her a women's empowerment organization dedicated to electing women to New York City's public offices, so that includes city and state politics. Amplify Her is a citywide organization created to directly address women's shocking underrepresentation in New York City's elected offices, and you just heard the statistics that Jeff was mentioning. Um, Among the candidates who the organization has supported are Alessandra Biaggi in the Bronx, a state senator, uh, Catalina Cruz, who was here on WBII with Jeff a couple weeks ago, She's an assembly member from Queens. Tiffany Caban, who was a candidate for uh, Queens District Attorney, um, she came kind of came out of nowhere and fell only 55 votes short of uh, of winning the Democratic nomination for Queens DA. Uh, and someone else I think you've heard of, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. So Amplify Her was on board with AOC pretty early. Uh, Anika is now a legislative associate at the office of the New York City Public Advocate where she works on issues such as workers' rights, criminal justice, and public safety, and housing policy. She joins us in studio. She's sitting next to me, between Jeff and me. Anika, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited it's, to be here. Yeah, so this is this is great that you're here. Uh, I started on the show a couple weeks ago, and you're the first in-studio guest, so it's awesome. <laughs> nice. T- tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us a bit about your background and your work in politics. Okay, so I, as 
you just mentioned. I'm a founding member and director of marketing for Amplify Her. Um, so basically, I deal with social media and press for the organization. Um, but I, I ended up joining Amplify Her through grad school. A, a friend of mine, a classmate of mine, had um, introduced me to... Marty, the current executive director, uh, before Amplify Her was born, <laughs> um, and um, and it really sparked my interest in local politics. Uh, before I was more focused on international relations, and and that was what I was studying, and that was the route I was going. Um, I had taught English abroad for a while, a multilingual, um, done some government internships, and so my plan was to to do more international relations. And then um, my last semester of grad school, I decided to take more classes in local policy. And then I I got involved with Amplify Her and, and became more invested in local politics. And and my my plans changed a little mm-hmm. bit. And, um, and yeah, and that's also, you know, part of why I ended up going into city government. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that process that of amplify her for endorsing women because mm-hmm. I, I just named several candidates that the organization has endorsed. Mm-hmm. Some of them are actually running against women, and I saw you, for example, in the state assembly in Queens, you endorsed Mary Jo Bida, mm-hmm. who's running against thirty-five year incumbent mm-hmm. uh, Kathy Nolan. Uh, even yes. with the Caban endorsement, mm-hmm. uh, there were two other women running for DA. So take us through that process. Not all women that you endorse, correct? Correct. So we look at the race in in general that we're considering, and sometimes it's multiple races. Um, and we say, okay, well, what are what is the incumbent bringing to the table, and what is the challenger bringing mm-hmm. to the table? Um, you know, we do essentially want to help women get elected to office, um, but. It's not just any women. It's uh, progressive women, women who are putting marginalized communities um, and New York's most vulnerable at the center of their policies. We we want somebody who's going to bring about radical change and not just be status quo. Um, so that it plays a big role in who we decide to endorse. Um, the way it works is that once we've once we've decided which races we want to consider, we hold a forum. Um, usually it's a public forum. Sometimes it may be just an interview with all of us who are on the leadership, but usually it's a forum. Um, and then we'll invite all of the women candidates running to come and speak about their platform and talk about why they're running, um, where they're getting their resources from. For a lot of voters, that's important, where your funding is coming from. Um, we ask them questions about what they've done in the past to get them to this level, to make them decide to run for office. Um, and so in that way, we're we're allowing voters who are not part of Amplify Her to, to see who they're, who they have on the roster and to be introduced to them. And so after the forum, we usually will do a straw poll and then we'll do an an internal meeting amongst ourselves and and really deliberate on who we think we should endorse. And then we do a vote and then just uh, the leadership uh, will do a vote and the vote determines who we endorse. You are listening to WBAI 99.5 FM's City Watch, streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm your co-host, Jeff Simmons, joined by David Brand. And in studio with us is Anika Michel of Amplify Her. 
And we are talking about the process that Amplify Her takes, and it sounds like a pretty deliberate process mm-hmm. for uh, choosing women candidates that the organization is going to back. So you have a slate of candidates in 2020. We have elections coming up. Um, were there specific issues that you were really wanted to hear from the candidates uh, about at these forums? And what, what were some of those issues? Yes. Um, so there were a number of issues that we were kind of trying to see how they would be reflected in each candidate's platform, one of them being housing. Um, you know, displacement of New Yorkers has been an issue when it comes to rezoning for a long time now. Um, gentrification is happening and you know, people are getting priced out and they have no place to go. So we we wanted to ask candidates, what have you been doing to address these issues when it comes to land use and new housing developments? What are, what is your plan? You know, um, a lot of these candidates have community activist backgrounds. A lot of them are community organizers. So they, they have been doing something, but we also want to know, okay, once you get this position, what is your plan going forward now that you'll be a legislator, wh- mm-hmm. whether it's at the city level or the state level? Um, another issue we were looking at is education. You know, uh, our public school system is significantly underfunded and it's also extremely segregated. So what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to um, address the 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 need that a lot of the students have when they feel they're not prepared for the next level in their educational career. So um, those are two of the issues that we were looking at. We were also looking at immigration. Um, uh, And immigration is something that we have been focused on from the start of Amplify Her. Uh, A number of us come from immigrant backgrounds, and so we are very sensitive to... um, basically issues of ICE and, and mm. you know, mm-hmm. now BORTAC <laughs> coming yeah. in our communities. And, and, and we want to ensure that people he, who are living here, who are working just like the rest of us and, you know, regardless of their citizenship mm. status, that they're protected as well. So that's another issue that we we focus on when we ask. And um, you mentioned, you mentioned yeah. BORTAC, and that's yeah. like the SWAT-style Border mm. Patrol agents that are com- bringing <laughs> yeah. basically military-grade weapons into mm-hmm. cities, including New York City, that... Uh, have sanctuary policies as, mm-hmm. uh, as a, basically a punishment from the federal government, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, so I guess we can look forward to seeing like uh, uh, tanks or something on the uh, or bearcats on the uh, on, on our streets in Queens and Brooklyn. Oh my gosh! Well, tell us about the challenges that you're seeing with the candidates for the candidates that you endorse. Mm-hmm. Um, what what makes it harder as a woman running? Wow. Um, So it's a number of things. One is recognition. Uh, Oftentimes, if you have a crowded race, you know, the women who are running do not get as much attention from stakeholders or Mm. the media. Um, And so we try to not only elevate these women, but also their platforms. And we do this through the forums and through social media. Um, Another issue would be just getting volunteers and boots on the ground. I mean, it's one thing to have somebody say, I'll vote for you, but to actually have somebody say that they'll knock doors for you in the rain, the snow, the, you know, whatever weather, (laughs) treacherous weather is going on, um, you know, it's it's not easy. Um, And so we, we... aim to address that by providing 
a lot of volunteers. We train, we recruit people. And that's where I was going to go about yeah. the, it's not just about the candidates, but mm -hmm. also the volunteers. Very and much we're so. looking at 2021, where yes. it's expected there could be 500 plus candidates running yes. for all these offices. How many volunteers do you think you're going to need? Let's get you to do a pitch now for folks mm. to want to be part of We're going to her. need so many volunteers. <laughs> um, so if you are looking to get involved in local politics and, and somehow get your voice heard um you know do that through volunteering we we have canvassing shifts we have petitioning we have phone banks um and we also have hold rallies too so you know it, i know these times are very very trying and oftentimes a lot of us especially young voters those of us who are millennials and gen zers we sometimes don't exactly know how we can play a role in this but i I can assure you that when you are volunteering for a candidate, it is very rewarding and very fulfilling and not just you somehow helping this candidate get elected, but it's you making sure that your the issues that affect you and your community are being put forward. So, um, yeah, that's that's my pitch, and I hope you join us. Um, you can see our shifts uh, on our website at amplifyher.nyc. Um, and just... To go back to the previous question as challenges mm -hmm. for women, uh, the other two things I wanted to mention was fundraising. Mm. It's uh, every, any woman who runs will tell you it's harder for us to ask for money, um, I guess, because we're probably um, not used to doing it so much. But, yeah, it's very hard for women to to ask for funding and to even just get it in, in general. And so uh, up until now, we haven't been providing uh, funding. We've basically been using our endorsement as a way in which women candidates could, you know, provide reasoning to ask for donations. Mm. But we have uh, finalized the Amplify Her Pack a few months ago, and we're actually going to launch that in the coming months. So this will be That's our cool. way of garnering financial mm -hmm. support for our endorsed candidates. So be on the lookout for our announcement and our launch of that. Um, and then the last thing I would say that. Uh, women face is um, there's always in every race there's always a chosen one by the establishment mm -hmm. and majority of the time that chosen one is a male because the elected tends to be a man and so the person who he is mentoring who he is coaching who works under him is a younger man and so that individual, once they run, they'll get the institutional support that is needed mm -hmm. and so what we want to do is we want to allow women to have a viable chance at winning in a race when they don't have the institutional support. And in a way, it is kind of going against establishment. But like I said earlier, we that's kind of what we do. We don't we go against the status quo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we before you were on, we had Councilmember Carlina Rivera on mm -hmm. and we asked her some of the challenges challenges. She mentioned a double standard that mm -hmm. women uh, face when they're running for office or when they're in office. Always. How have you seen that with the candidates that Amplify Her has worked with? Hmm. Um, interesting. That's a good question. I would say in the earlier days when we did our like first uh, slate, um, you know, we would see in even our second and third slate of endorsements, we would see a, a number of, you know, articles come out. And I guess some people would call them smear campaigns <laughs> against the women who are running and, you know, just some things that are maybe not always factual, but just to garner a lot of mm -hmm. attention, a lot of readers, and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of bring a negative look to you, their campaign. Do you have a specific candidate in mind that that happened to? 
Um, uh, yeah, a couple, but I don't want to name <laughs> Maybe, them. I, well, I saw uh, that Amplify Her endorsed Julia Salazar, for example. Mm, I know she faced a lot yes. of that at yeah. uh, opposition research in her bid for state senate. And I think yes. uh, that maybe that means people are taking women candidates more seriously if they're doing that. I don't know. but That's an interesting point. I mean, are you uh, seriously being considered if you're not <laughs> – if, if somebody isn't um, writing a, a – very uh, negative article about yeah. you. Maybe, maybe not. A series of hit pieces. Or <laughs> I, something, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, well, but, yeah. So, tell us a little bit uh, how how people can uh, find out about Amplify Her. You've been talking about it. Where mm-hmm. can they go? Like right now, as they're listening to us talk, and uh, can they sign up? Mm-hmm. Um, can they follow on social media? Yes. Um, so you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AmplifyHer.NYC. Oh, sorry, AmplifyHerNYC. But our website is www.AmplifyHer.NYC. There you can find out about all of our endorsements. We have an endorsement page. Um, you can sign up to be on our mailing list and get all of the information about every time we're having an event. You know, we do hold monthly meetings uh, for all of our members. And the great thing about being a member is that once you've completed five canvassing shifts, so that's like 10 hours, you get to be a voting member and you get to vote in our endorsements. So um, all the more reason for you to uh, join and sign up and canvass with us. Um, Yeah, and then also you can find out more about myself and my work uh, on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Anika Michelle. That's A-N-I-K-A-M-I-C-H-E-L. And you can see what what I'm doing for Amplify Her and what we're doing as a group. So Anika Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. If mm-hmm. you'd like to, please stay with us for the remaining portion of oh, the show. Of We've got another guest coming mm-hmm. on right now. If you want to interject at some point, uh, great. And, or just wait till the end because we want to recap with you at mm-hmm. the end and just remind our listeners again about how to get in touch with you and Amplify Her. Sounds um, good. As we've been talking about the advancement of women in politics and government, we also now want to kind of turn towards those that are already making a difference at a young age. And uh, each year, the Girl Scouts of Greater New York presents its Future Woman of Distinction Award to a youth who has displayed extraordinary leadership and dedication to community service. And the recent 2019 winner is 18-year-old Ella Gwyn Gunther. Gwyn has been a dedicated Girl Scout since first grade as part of Troop 3199, and she was recognized alongside five women leaders at the Girl Scouts 27th Annual Women of Distinction Breakfast just a few months ago. So we asked Gwyn to join us today to talk about the award and what it means to be a leader. Gwyn, welcome to WBAI. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So today is International Women's Day. March is, of course, Women's History Month. Share with us what this day and this month means to you as a young woman. Well, it means a lot to me because it is a time to where a young woman can see um, the successes of older women that might not have been recognized in the past. So it's a time for us to be able to see that there are women out there who have had successes. Hi, Gwen. This is David. Um, So who are some of the women that you look up to that you see who have had successes? Well, um, last year I was on the Today Show and I was Mm. able to see Michelle Obama speak about her past and she talked about her book a lot. And it was really inspiring to see um, how all the little experiences she's had through her life have 
built her into the woman leader she is today. Tell us about your 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 work that uh, earned you this prize and this recognition, and uh, what what exactly it is. Okay, so when I was younger, I learned of an issue in my community. There was a garbage dump being built right next to our community's rec- recreation center. And where, that where, that there where is that? Where is that community? This is on um, 91st and East End. Ah, uh, near Asphalt Green. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I used to play soccer there when I was younger. So this was affecting me almost every single day. Um, so I learned that hundreds of toxic garbage trucks would be traveling through my community daily, and I really wanted to try to keep my community clean. So I co-launched the not-for-profit organization called Waste No More to encourage my community to bond together and reduce the amount of waste we produce. And so what did that work look like? What did Waste No More? And that's, that's W-A-S-T-E, right, with periods? Yes. So it's called Waste No More, and there is a website and app. Our main platform is the app, available on the App Store. And this was meant to educate my community on how to correctly reduce, reuse, and recycle our waste. So that way we could reduce the amount of waste produced and hopefully make the marine transfer station on East 91st Street completely obsolete. Where, where can we find that app? You can find it on the um, App Store under Waste No More. So, uh, Gwen, uh, oh, Anika, did you have a question? No. Oh, I wasn't sure. (laughs) I'll let you know what I do. (laughs) I I thought you paused. Um, Gwen, can you tell us a little about what being a Girl Scout has taught you about the definition of leadership? So throughout my years as a Girl Scout, I've done so many different activities and journeys, and I've learned a lot of skills on the way. And I would have to say, overall, I think Girl Scouts has built me into the leader I am today and how I characterize that is by the courage, confidence, and character I've built along the years. And uh, the Gold Award itself, I mean, uh, these ceremonies are just wonderful. And, you know, that moment, you know, I've seen the picture of you when you got up to get your award. Uh, (laughs) You know, talk about that moment when you stood there before, you know, everyone and delivered your remarks and what it meant to you to be recognized that way. Well, first, I was very, very nervous. I had never been on a stage in front of so many people. So that was definitely a, a little bit scary at first. But then... It felt really empowering to see all those people just to look up and, you know, see all the work I've put into throughout the years on this project. It was it was really hard, but I'm so proud of what I have created. And I was really glad that I had the opportunity to have that stage to share it with everyone. So I was definitely nervous, but overall, I was really proud of myself. I was able to see the hard work I had put in. So tell us about uh, some of your future plans. What are the next steps for you? So next year, I will be going to the University of Virginia, and I am planning on studying. Thank you so much. And I am planning on studying environmental science, and I hope to educate um, all the people I meet throughout my next years about how to improve on their waste and how to recycle correctly and how to reduce so that there will be no more marine transfer station or any transfer station built in residential areas. Well, congratulations, UVA. It's a great school. Thank you. 
So we've just uh, got a few minutes left. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about the Girl Scouts? And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, having worked with the Girl Scouts and other organizations, I know it's a lot more than what you might know about before you get involved. And, you know, it's not just about the cookies. There's so much else that the Girl Scouts <laughs> does to create new leaders. So what do you want people to know about your experience with the Girl Scouts and how it has developed you as a leader and your colleagues as leaders? So over the years, I have faced, you know, the stereotype that Girl Scouts is only for little girls, but I go completely against that stereotype mm. to show you that I'm still 18 years year old and I'm still a Girl Scout. And I want everyone to know that you can learn and like until you're, you're dying at the end of life, <laughs> you have so much to learn and so many skills you can develop that you can use in your everyday life. So I really want people to know that Girl Scouts is from women for women. And that it's for every girl out there, no matter what age, to learn skills that they can implement into their life at any stage. That's great. And I love that. For, was it from women for women? That's cool. Nika, did you, you had a yeah, question? Yeah. Um, so, hi, Gwen. Um, congratulations hi. on your acceptance Thank to you UB. So um, I'm just curious as to Waste No More. I think it sounds like such an interesting initiative. And I'm just, I wanted to know. What are your plans on expanding it or growing it um, going forward? It just sounds like a really cool initiative. So right now, Waste No More is mostly based in Manhattan, and I hope to expand Waste No More to where it could be used globally. I think it's a really important resource for people to learn how to correctly um, recycle. We all know climate change is an increasing um, issue that the world is facing. So this is an issue that everyone can bond together on. And it's something that we can all agree on that we need to do our best, put our best foot forward to help save our planet. Ella Gwyn Gunther, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on International Women's Day here on WBAI. We really appreciate you taking the time on a Sunday to talk with us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Maybe a future candidate getting endorsed by Amplify Her. Who knows? Anything is possible. <laughs> and she already has a great start. So. Yeah. yeah. So we've got just a few minutes left. And so, uh, Anika, if, you know, were there other points about Amplify Her that we did not get to that you want our listeners to know about? Because we are, as much as we have races this season, mm-hmm. I, as, as David's going to come to know, I'm obsessed with 2021 and how amazingly frantic it's going to yes. be. Yes. Yes. Um, so... Uh, this year's races uh, include four state assembly races and one city council race. Um, so in the state assembly, we've endorsed Mary Jo Bida for District 37, Amanda Septimo for District 84, Yuli New for District 65, and Henesis Aquino for District 51. Can, and let's, let's so Joe Bida, that's Western Queens. Queens. Correct. Uh, where's 84. 84 is in the Bronx. In the Bronx, okay. And Yulene is uh, Lower Manhattan. Correct. Overlapping with Rivera, probably. Mm-hmm. And Aquino is in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, and then we just endorsed uh, in the city council race, uh, District 37, Sandy Nurse. Um, so, you know, we have our, our hands full mm-hmm. right now. Um, as you both know, the world of politics is always changing. So if there's another special election later on this year, <laughs> we may just hop into that one too um but for now we're just focusing on these five um and as for 2021 we have our eyes on several races especially in the council um a lot of people will be termed out so Mm. 
we we we're watching and um we're going to see where we want to get involved we haven't decided yet but we will before the end of the year what about mayor that's uh there's not a top contender who is a woman running for mayor there are some contenders but now you said a top contender right now and and it comes back to the back down to what we were talking about earlier is what makes a top contender Hmm. you know is it Hmm. name recognition is it policy platform? Is it um, endorsement, or is it funding? I was just going to say, I'm thinking those... of the presidential race. In one case, it was a pre- it was funding for a mm-hmm. moment there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> self funding. Yeah, <laughs> and we are we are considering the mayoral race as well. Um, we would love to endorse a woman. We would want a woman to be mayor. Um, you know, and and I think that it says a lot about. The times we're living in and the blue state and city we're living in um, and that we have not had uh, women as mayor before. Um, And it would be it would be really nice to to see that, see that change, especially a progressive woman candidate. Um, You know, earlier you mentioned some statistics um, and a lot of people don't know that New York City is 52 percent women. And, you know, we only hold 12 of the 51 seats Mm -hmm. in city council. And I mean, well. If Sandy wins the special election at the end of April, it would be 13 of the 51 seats. So then that would be just 25 percent of the council. Yeah, the highest was what I had written down from a New York Times was 18 in mm-hmm. 2009. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. It's still not yeah. even half. Yeah. yeah. And so and even if you look at the state electeds, you know, 19 of the 63 New York State Senate seats are held by women and 50 of 150 assembly seats are held by women. So that's 32.4 percent. There's barely a third at the state level. So we so we're going to have to wrap up in about a minute and a half. Just repeat for our listeners how they can find out more about Amplify Her. Oh, yes, definitely. Check out our website, uh, www.amplifyher.nyc. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AmplifyHerNYC. Follow me as well because I'm always promoting Amplify Her. (laughs) Talk about it everywhere I go. Um, My Twitter handle is Anika Michelle, A-N-I-K-A-M-I-C-H-E-L. Thank you. And I'd like to thank all of our guests today, New York City Council Member Carlina Rivera, Anika Michelle of Amplify Her, and Ella Gwyn Gunther. Uh, a very accomplished Girl Scout who's heading to the University of Virginia next year. We will be back next week when our focus will be an important topic to all of us in New York City, uh, and that's transportation and how we're commuting, and especially in Queens, where Queens is right now in the process of undergoing a total uh, bus network redesign, and they say it's the largest bus network redesign in United States, which kind of makes sense. Queens is a massive place. Um, so please tune in next week. We're going to have some great guests talking about transportation in New York, Queens focused. If you miss any part of this show, please visit us at WBAI.org. Go to programs and then archives. The show will be up online in about 10 minutes. Uh, thank you to our guests and thanks to everybody for tuning in. Have a great day.